This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Time now for the Off Day Podcast with Andy Hart and Chris Scheim on WEEI.com. Back for another Off Day Podcast of the New Era. Chris Scheim joining me, Andy Hart, and another interesting week in Patriot Nation. We are still not uh, at the Combine. We're still not quite yet heading toward free agency, but we're creeping into the 2022 offseason and plenty of topics to talk about. And I think first and foremost is a cornerback by the name of J.C. Jackson, who this week actually spoke to uh, Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston. We call him the senator uh, on the beat. And it's in the midst of the franchise tag window, which opened up February 22nd. And uh, when Phil talked to J.C., he said, quote, I guess they feel like they don't need me. I guess I can't be that important to them. I know I am, but they're not showing me. And he says this because J.C. Jackson has not heard from the Patriots until uh, late in the regular season when he told Phil Perry he kind of uh, pushed off contract talks. He wanted to focus on football and the season he was having. Um, and he, he did, there was no negative spin on it, uh, but now he has heard nothing. And there, I want to use that as a jumping-off point, because first I would say, no surprise. This is Patriots' uh, modus, modus operandi. operandi. Hey, look at you. Look, at, look at you. We're on the same wavelength. Same page, Andy. It's what they do. Um, so anybody that was, A, expecting them to just throw a boatload of money at him early in the process, it's not what they do. Second, anybody who was erroneously thinking they would open the franchise tag window on the 22nd, and just boom, we're using our tag on J.C. Jackson. Not only do they not do that, pretty much no one does that. Correct. You wait till the end of the window. Um, and I want to float one more thing out there before we sort of open this up for discussion. Your friends, not mine, at Pro Football Focus threw out a number. Four years, $72 million with $56 million guaranteed for J.C. Jackson. For us uh, math illiterate, that's about $18 million per year. Correct. And I would sign it. I'd be happy to sign it if I were J.C., because... Well, you know, $56 million guaranteed, a lot of money. Yep. And if I'm the Patriots, I think I'm giving a market-level contract. It's not $20 million a year for Jalen Ramsey, but I think that's above market. I think the market's going to come in a little bit below that. Um, but J.C. is the best on the market. Would you do four years, $72 million or something in that ballpark? Yeah, I, w- I would shoot for four for like 68 uh, if I'm oh, the Patriots. You cheap bastard. Yes, I am. Well, I think I think the one thing that Belichick will hold against J.C. Jackson is he was an undrafted free agent. He was not a first-round pick, so just inherently those contracts are generally a little lower, uh, even if he is worth the $19 million range. Uh, and I would have done that contract yesterday. I think the one thing that aggravates me the most about this whole situation is that, in my head, franchise tagging J.C. Jackson is the only wrong option. 
Like the right, the right options are either letting him walk, get your compensatory pick now when he signs his contract, and deal with the consequences, or sign him to a long-term deal, maximize Mac Jones on a rookie contract, and let's get going. Like it's it, those are the two right options. Franchise tagging him, to me, in my opinion, is probably is easily the worst option on the board, and is the absolutely wrong decision. No question, that would be the Forrest Gump decision. Stupid is as stupid does. Why Correct. would you? I keep saying it's a little bit like now I know a lot of people lease, but some people like if you lease, you pay a lot of money, and then in two years, what do you have? Nothing. Nothing. You have to walk home from the dealership when they ask you to drop the car off. Yep. I don't know why you would do a short term agreement that costs you a boatload of money on this year's cap, money they don't have right now. Correct. They, they would have to create money to even give him the franchise tag, even if it were a negotiating tool, by the way. Yep. I want to make sure people realize that. If, you, if you're if you under this view, we're going to franchise tag him and then trade him, you still have to be able to fit that $17 million and change under your salary cap until the point that you actually trade away that slot in your salary cap. Um, but it makes no sense to me in that if you like him, which I think you should, if you want him long-term, which I think you should, then... Sign him to the deal, make it a lower growing cap number as the cap itself grows. And I look at it, and I think we mentioned this a little last week, staggering some of your contracts. You know, you brought in guys that look like core contributors like, say, Judon last year, right? You have Mac Jones under contract for five years. The fifth year, it'll bump up a little bit. You're still not talking stupid money. If you sign J.C. Jackson now, stagger it. Maybe a year from now you add that weapon everybody's want and you kind of stagger all these deals down the road so you don't have these, oh, my God, i got to decide between two, three, four players all at once. Um, and I think you, with a growing cap that's going to be upwards of probably $250 million within the next couple of years with the new TV money and gambling money, yep. um, I think it's smart business. I know a lot of people are pushing back. A lot of people... And, you know, I had one guy on Twitter say, yeah, all you beat writers told me like a year ago you would never sign JC for that stupid money. Yeah, I've changed my mind. I think yeah, he's he got player. better. He's proven himself. Yeah, <laughs> like, he was the number one corner for your team all year. And you know what? He was freaking awesome. Outside of uh, not-so-great performances <laughs> against Stefan Diggs, uh, he was That's awesome. the one little caveat. <laughs> it is. And I think that's why you can get him at four for 68. Like, I, I think that's why 16 per, or well, however much that math is, 17 per, sorry. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it was like, your fake contract, and you didn't even know the yeah, details. Yeah, seventeen per. My bad. Uh, seventeen <laughs> per. But like that fifty to fifty-six million guaranteed range is exactly what he would want because yep. you can make it a lower number this year where you don't have a lot of cap space to work with. And well, then it, as the cap space explodes next year and the year after, those years two and three are when you have the major cap hits because expectedly he should be in the absolute prime of his career at 28 and 29 years old, and then in his year 30 season where cornerbacks we see a lot of decline, you have him on cheaper money, and it's a contract you could either flip out of or just play out and let him walk after his four-year contract's up. Like I think that, from a business sense, is absolutely the right decision here. I'm looking for the yeah um, the the other quote I thought a couple quotes I wanted to read from Phil Perry's NBC Sports Boston Post catching up with J.C. Jackson was um, asked if he were tagged how that would go and he said I love the game if they tag me I'm going to go out there and play yep which I love that mentality not being you know acrimonious or you know already digging your head no I'll never play for the tag but like, agreed I'll play for plus he's an undrafted free agent so 17 million dollars this year is like four times what he's made total in his first four years or something. I think Phil Perry even said he's only made like $3 million yeah. in total over the first four so, years of his career. 
it, it's smart for him to take that approach. And then I'm a bit, I've, JC Jackson has grown on me incredibly in the last year or two, not only in his playmaking and I think proving to me that he is, he does belong in the class of whatever elite cornerback play is now. I think that's kind of changed. I don't think there are really truly elite corners, but he's in that top group. Uh, I also love his cockiness and his I quotes. Do too. And the story, the, the story Phil Perry writes ends with, whatever happens, happens. I'm taking it day by day, but it's time for me to get paid. It's time to get Mr. INT paid. And he's right. It, <laughs> it is that time. Uh, uh, yes. I, I, it's I, business. I, I, I mean, I mean, and if it's not going to be the Patriots, somebody's going to pay him that kind of money because he deserves it. Like, it, what you saw out of Trayvon Diggs this year is basically what you get out of J.C. Jackson on a yearly basis. Yep. On top of that, you also get great coverage. Like, Trayvon Diggs was awful in actual, like, passing coverage outside right. of the interceptions. Well, J.C. Jackson gives you good coverage and all those interceptions. He gives you the best of both worlds. So not wanting to sign this guy would make literally no sense to me. Well, the, the one thing I do go back to, he does have to face Diggs twice a year. True. Uh, Stephon, not Trayvon. But if you go um, with the the old Belichick... Uh, you know, plan of putting your number one guy on the number two guy and just being like, hey, lock him down. Take him away from this game, and I'll throw two guys at Stephon Diggs. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I, th- I think you're in great shape. I'd sign him because, you know, I said this to Fitzy over the weekend on WEEI. If you're putting together what I believe is sort of a skeleton of a Super Bowl contender, and I don't actually think it can come this year. I think the I best possible scenario is 2023. You're a legitimate contender. But a skeleton for me is, well, I got my quarterback. Oh, I got a pass rusher. Oh, I have a number one cornerback. I have the um, foundation of a good offense. I'm lacking the one big chip. Oh, and Barmore. It looks like he could develop into an impact dominant defensive line. Like you're kind of checking off the boxes as you go along here in maybe a three-year plan to becoming a legitimate contender. But if you don't sign J.C. Jackson, so let's go down that road. You're missing a major, major piece. Uh, and and your cupboard is barer than Shimes on a Friday night after they drinking. stink. They're Holy so Moses. bad after J.C. Jackson. It is brutal. And not a lot of options out there. I know people have talked themselves into Casey Hayward or maybe some Carlton Band Aid. But the problem is, it's a pretty thin cornerback market. Yes. in free agency. So generally that pushes the price up, right? Supply and demand, it's kind of basic economics, and I wasn't even an economics major like Bill Belichick was. So the idea that you're going to get the mid-tier free agent for a lesser price, no, you're probably going to pay a premium. You're going to have to overpay just like you did last year, So, which would be even a worse waste of money. Then then you go down the route of, can you draft a corner? Well, you sure as... I was going to poop. You sure as heck can. I don't know. Um, it's a deep cornerback class. You know, I saw that quote that Reese had from Kuiper that, you know, you ask him his top 10 corners and he can't really tell you the difference between 7 and 15 because it's a really deep crop and there's going to be guys early in the first round, middle of the first round. We've seen some mocks going to the Patriots. But it's a risky proposition. Oh, yeah. To say you're going to draft, just flat-out draft, a number one corner that has to be a number one corner. You don't have a net. I don't don't really think is realistic. And to be fair, I mean... Belichick hasn't done a great job of drafting corners early in drafts, right? He generally hits on corners late in drafts or undrafted free agents. That's where where his sweet spot is for good cornerback play. So to expect him to go into the first round and draft uh, somebody after Ahmad Gardner, I don't don't even know, Trent McDuffie out of Washington, and expect him to be a stud in year one seems a little uh, far-fetched for me. Now, he did it once, sort of. 
sort of, and I say sort of because With Devin McCourty, McCourty was a yeah. Pro Bowl cornerback his rookie year. Led the league in interceptions, right? Then the bottom fell out, and I, I still really don't know what happened there. I'm going to be honest with you. That's one of those untold stories I feel like somebody could look. Like, how can a guy be a Pro Bowl rookie corner, first-round pick, and then suck and get absolutely abused by people like Joe Flacco and then just move to safety and become a Pro Bowl safety? Interesting story, but whatever. I digress. <laughs> um, he's done it once. Otherwise, you're right. Razai, Dowling types, Darius Butler, Terrence Wheatley's, all the second-round types. It's it's never worked. Part of the reason you're in this problem is Joan Williams yep. is the latest example didn't work and even the undrafted pipeline has dried up a little bit because I think we saw that Miles Bryant isn't necessarily the next JC Jackson Malcolm Butler Randall Gay um, might be a depth piece but is not a high-end piece based on Correct. what I saw last year so I think we're in agreement that um, if you want to have good cornerback play or, or any certainty you're going to have good cornerback play Seems like you should probably sign J.C. Jackson. And I got to tell you, Andy, we talked about this last week on the podcast. Uh, I I am coming around. No, I'm not sold yet, but I am coming around to the idea that the Patriots draft a wide receiver in the first round, and that's welcome. your guy. Welcome, I, welcome. So I have, I have, and it's not, it's not my welcome. confidence in the Patriots' ability to draft. It is I have started watching some of these receiver prospects. And I am now convinced, uh, Benjamin Solax of the Ringer said it best, uh, I am now convinced that every single receiver class going forward is going to have absolute studs in it. Yes. I just think I, they are going to fall from the sky because I watched four or five of these guys briefly, just briefly, this past weekend, and let me tell you, I was in love. Well, I was over the moon. I'm like, these guys are awesome. Welcome to the party. Grab a beer and enjoy yourself because that's the party I've been at for a while now because it's just happened too often in recent years. There's too many good, talented guys. And now the guy I'm falling in love with, Jamison Williams out of Alabama, because of the injury, I think you truly could get a, a top 10 type talent at 21. But, you know, that was the column I posted this morning. I think people have this 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 phobia, this fear, partially from Nikhil Harry, but also partially just from history. Of Belichick drafting and or or failing to develop receivers, and it's like you got to get over it. Move on. You got to keep taking some swings. You're yeah. never going to break the piñata and get candy if you stop swinging. Yeah, I, I think it, at, at this point, my my pipe dream is somehow they get Traylon Burks, but I, 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 don't, I don't think that's happening. No, I don't think so either. But who pre- knows? We talked about it. Like we say these things on February, whatever the hell it is, twenty fourth. And things change dramatically. Yes, agreed. And so, uh, but that's, I mean, that guy is just, he is a physical specimen. And I'm, I, I just, I, and there's not many of these uh, contested catch guys, which is where I think the Patriots would stray and go wrong, right? Yep. They, they did that with Nikhil Harry. Oh, he's great at the catch point. He's great at the catch point. I don't give a, I don't give a rat's behind about the catch point. What can he do without the ball in his hands? I think that's or, – or with the ball in his hands when he's actually running. Like, I think those things nowadays are far more important in today's NFL and the way just offenses are designed and they're uh, being judged by the referees. And so I think there's a plethora of these guys in the draft this year. And so I have now come around to the idea that the Patriots can draft a legitimate receiver option, which is another reason, yet another reason, why you should just pay J.C. Jackson. Side note. I'm watching out my window as the FedEx guy drops off a package. Really hope there's nothing breakable in there because he just freaking tossed it. <laughs> Chimney Christmas FedEx guy. Have a little respect for the job. Have some um, respect. If you're going to do it, huh? oh, it almost 
he kind of waved as he was walking away. I wonder if he can hear me. <laughs> That'd be weird because we're not even broadcasting live. That's um, amazing. Okay, so J.C. Jackson in the books. I'm welcoming you to the wide receiver party because I would also say if you spend money on J.C. Jackson where we started, you don't really have the money to be spent at wide receiver, even though there's not a lot of great wide receiver options. There's going to be a not competitive yet. market there. Um, so drafting it, again, looking toward 2023, if you tell me I have a first-round stud-wide receiver, I have Mac Jones, Christian Barmore, Matt Judon, J.C. Jackson. Ooh, I kind of like what you we're doing together. Pieces. You got like something cooking. I like what we're cooking. doing. Um, okay, so as we're talking about talent acquisition, uh, the other big topic we've touched on endlessly, you and I, we've touched on it on our airwaves endlessly. It's not trade Mac Jones. We leave that just to no. the morning show. Yeah, just a week. Yeah, um, it's the coaching staff, and we, we've we had kind of mixing uh, reports here where Mike Reese, Scott Zolak, some of the others have kind of in, insinuated or even reported loosely that the staff is the staff. Patricia, Joe Judge, Troy Brown, Vinny Sinceri, um, you know, obviously Nick Cayley stays, that that's the staff. I know there's been some reports that maybe Matt Patricia will handle the run game and Joe Judge will work with the quarterbacks in the passing game, almost a college-like approach where you see run game coordinator pass game coordinator um so we'll see i know phil perry has now kind of said maybe there's an expectation another name could be added to the staff i wonder if that's sort of you know devil's in the details maybe that's a lower level guy that's going to be a developmental guy but but we'll see we can only talk about what we have right now so i want to talk about the guy i'm promoting as the next damn big thing nick cayley Yep. Why not Nick Cayley? Why not now? He's the next Josh McDaniels, if you read his resume. John Carroll University, been here seven years, the whole thing. I swayed you on wide receivers. Have I swayed you on Nick Cayley as the next great offensive mind in the National Football League? So I, I wouldn't say you fully swayed me, but you convinced me the idea that that should be Patriots fans' hope, right? I yes. said this actually on the Greg Hill Show earlier this week. Uh, I, I brought up how we talked about it on the podcast and how in my head right now, if you're a Patriots fan, podcast appreciate you. Hey, Andy, I am all I about sneak that in everything. whenever possible. Damn right, uh, damn right, as Tom Brady right, senior, senior would say. Exactly, and so uh, and so I brought up the idea about how Nick Cayley should be the hope of Patriots fans that he is a legitimate offensive talent. I would say I don't want to use the word mastermind. I feel say like that is authority. overplaying. Hey, Ron um, Burgundy, say it with at least a period or an exclamation point, not a question mark. Sorry, the Patri- Patriots fan should be hoping that Nick Cayley is the next offensive mind of Thank this you. team. Because Joe Judge, I'm sorry, not the answer. Matt Patricia, also sorry, not the answer. These guys are not offensive guys. We talked about this last week on the podcast. It seems a like a, a notch off. They should be special teams and defensive guys and find an offensive guy to do the offense. Nick Cayley seems like he can be that guy, having been the tight ends coach around the offense. I think that has to be your hope. Uh, yeah, I, I, I believe, and, and I keep throwing this out there, and I know the quarterback is different. The quarterback always changes everything. 2005, Tom Brady was a three-time Super Bowl winner. Tom Brady was well on his way to being the GOAT. Tom Brady, Montana comparisons, the whole damn thing. He hadn't lost a playoff game yet. Um and Josh McDaniels took over the offense when Charlie Weiss left. It it's different with Mac Jones because he's in his second season. He's, he's still not learning. established. Still learning, no question. But to me, that's more of a reason why I want Nick Cayley in place. I, I've given up on. We've so had they learn a, together, kind of thing, side by side. Yes, build a rapport, be consistent for maybe two or three years, and then if if we hit the jackpot, 
we lose Kaylee in three years as a head coach. And I hope that's the case. I hope because that means everything went really well. And you've impressed with your offense and your development of Mac Jones. We've had, you know, I get back to sort of mixed reporting and, and untold stories. We've had Burt Breer and Jeff Howe, some of the reports over the weekend. Burt Breer talking about Patriots have had no contact with Adam Gase. And both guys talking about Bill O'Brien. And really there's, you know, there was interest. There isn't interest. Doesn't look like it's going to happen, but you can't close the door. Kind of this weirdness. And that's another one of those stories, kind of like the McCourty falling off the map as a corner. I just wonder why Billy O'Brien didn't work. Did he not want to come? Was it not offered? Did they, you know, money? You know, did he know Josh was making four? And he's like, yeah, I'll come if you give me the four you were paying Josh. I just wonder, four million, by the way, is yeah. the number I'm throwing out there. Uh, I just wonder why that fell apart. But it seems accepted at this point that it's not going to be Billy O'Brien. It's not going to be a big-name coordinator that you are going with the group you have. And I am with you. I I think Patricia, you could sell me on. I did a sell job real early on yes. on Merloni and Fourier, you know, trying to convince myself as well as others that it makes sense just because he's called plays. He's thought about a game in that tactical manner. Uh, wow, you are a hater. I, it, it, Andy, I cannot stand Matt Patricia. You Give ran me three it, good reasons why. Uh, because when he was the head coach of the Detroit Lions, they blitzed less than any other team in football. And you want to know what? They got less pressure than any other team in football. That's after signing Trey Flowers to a massive contract. How'd that work out for them, by the way? Not great. Not great. And so it, Matt Patricia's defense, even when he was here, was fine. Like it was, he's he's remembered for the one play in the Super Bowl where Malcolm Butler jumped the route. It's not even Matt Patricia did anything crazy in that game. Malcolm Butler made one play, and Tom Brady was superhuman in the second half. And yet somehow, some way, Matt Patricia, the boob, has gotten a bunch of credit for that. Stop well, I it. Will, I will say, I like Matt Patricia personally. I don't know him personally. Yeah. So this is this is all me talking about no, him as a coach uh, and and as a football figure that's it i would tell him if i saw him i would say you came off as a boob in detroit oh very much it it could not have gone anywhere some of the things sit up straight have some respect for yourself like and i would hope he i would hope he would look back and say yeah i probably had some some missteps along the way some things i'd like to learn from and do differently if i ever uh get another chance i think he would admit that because i do think he's a pretty analytical open-minded guy um but i still i don't want a defensive guy developing Mac Jones, your I, quarterback. Exactly. Right. I think I think that should be reason number one above all things. Like if he's it, honestly, if he's the offensive coordinator, I will take that pencil from his ear and stab myself in the eye because that's Easy. just stupid. Easy. No, no reason for. I'm sorry. I'm very violence. passionate about this. I don't, and, that, and that's how you know that it's coming from a, a good place in my heart here. That I want the Patriots to have a good offensive mind because I don't like Mac Jones. And if he doesn't succeed, I'm right, and I can laugh at everybody. But and yet, and yet, somehow, some way, in my heart and soul, I still want the Patriots' offense to succeed. And I don't think Matt Patricia is that answer. <laughs> well, I will say for your purposes, in order to be able to do a victory lap, you can't have it be blamed totally on coaching. Because then we'll never know. Because I actually said this yesterday with uh, Mutt and Merloni in the afternoon that we one of the things we talked about, and Jim Nagy got very defensive of this, was this idea that Mac Jones landed in the perfect spot. That it was all about Belichick and McDaniels and the structure and the organization and everything that he was given. And Jim Nagy pushed back on that. He's like, can we just say the, the kid's pretty good? He was good at Alabama. He's good now. Maybe he has something to do with the good. And whether you believe one way or the other in that, you can now argue that he's in the worst position. I actually think that he and Trevor Lawrence have flip-flopped roles. A year ago, or last fall, Trevor Lawrence was in a 
clown show bro under Urban Meyer. Yep. A circus. And it hindered his development. Now, theoretically, they bring in a Super Bowl winning former quarterback, ex-play caller head coach in Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. That should greatly help the development of Trevor Lawrence. Meanwhile, Mac Jones not only loses his play caller, he loses everything. Like, there's nothing there other than Bill Belichick and, I guess, the system, and he blows it off. Yeah, it's not my first rodeo. No, no, no. Your first time in your career where the offensive coordinator has changed in your job. This is literally your first rodeo, and I think that makes it an uphill battle for him this offseason. And he, he might be better physically than he was last year, and it might look a lot worse because of what's around him. Yeah, I, I partly agree with Nagy in that uh, I think no matter where Mac Jones landed, he was probably going to just be Mac Jones. I, I think the numbers might look different, but whether he was here in in New York with the Jets, I, I think Mac Jones kind of is what he is, and I've said that all along. Um, I but I this season you're going to need something more than just what you are. You are going to need that you are going to need a superstar reach here if you want to have a tremendous season because I just the way everything's falling in place for this New England offensive coaching staff. I just don't see any good outcomes. The only good outcome <laughs> is Nick Cayley is really good at his job, yes. and he is the offensive coordinator. That is the sole good outcome I see here, because in my opinion, Joe Judge is not going to help Mac Jones get better at all. Neither is Matt Patricia. So your only hope here is Nick Cayley. I think if Nick Cayley is really good at his job, we're going to find out, and he's going to be a head coach in three years, and you were right. If if he's not, Mac Jones is in for a wild awakening of a possible horrendous year. Did you know Joe Judge went to Mississippi State as a quarterback? Good for him. Uh, if you read the next line in his Wikipedia bio, it says, he never really played the position playing primarily on special teams. Shocker. <laughs> Shocker. Shocker, he's a good special teams coach. He is a great special teams coach, and I wish he was coaching special teams on this team. Instead, he is, quote, working with the quarterbacks. I don't like that. Okay, so the Nick Cayley thing, um, I have two um, butting head philosophies or ideas I want to throw at you in terms of play calling. Oh, okay, send them at me. Well, there's this one idea that, Bill Belichick has actually perpetuated over the years, and one of the things I may effort to do either this week or next is go back through my archives and get some of Bill's quotes um, praising Josh McDaniels for his play calling and how much of an art it is to play calling and you know learning and the back and forth and the chess match just to kind of put in relation what he's throwing on the plate of any of these guys. Whoever yep, it is has sure. never done it. So there's that one side where play calling is important. Bill has said it's important. He has praised the guys that call the plays. Then the other side of me says, well, the game planning is going to be Belichick. It's going to be Belichick with those guys, but he's going to oversee that on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday. Yeah, but isn't that just more so the opening drive? Like you're, you're... No, it's everything. Their play sheet has everything situationally broken down. Yeah, and... uh, no, I, I get that, but for the most part, Belichick's really only going to have, when it comes to actual play calling, it's only going to come down to... The opening drive, the start of the game, like the opening script. If everything's going according to plan, great. But what happens when bleep hits the fan and 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 things aren't going according to plan? And well, Nick Cayley or Joe Judge has to actually just reach within themselves and call the right plays. Well, but again, he's looking at his play sheet. Where's the ball? Is it third and third and twelve from the plus forty? There's a play. Okay, so there's two to choose from. There's maybe three to choose from. Personnel groupings that we like in this situation. There's two to choose from. My point is. 
I think we look at it as like a bingo, you know, the balls in the big bingo thing. And you're rolling yep. it and there's a million possibilities. Well, in the game of football, there's a million possibilities. And in the game, there's a lot of possibilities. But in the exact situation they're in, there aren't that many possibilities that they've decided are the plays or the personnel groups they like for that opponent that day that was determined on, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I think to, and, and Bill's going to be there, right? So, yeah, but so situationally, okay. he has the ability to say, hey, you know, the, the stuff we worked on, not really, why don't we mix it up, go here, you know, or hey, it might be time to throw in that uh, Jacoby Myers double pass. We're kind of, we're kind of drowning here. Like, I just think there is going to be, um, less, less possibility of disaster in play calling than there is possibility of disaster in just the overall development and coaching of Mac. Even though Bill, Belichick at this point seems like he's going to have to do that on offense and defense, you really think that it's going to work out evenly across the board like that? Like it's it, no, yeah, exactly. So in my head, <laughs> you sure it sounds great that yeah, Belichick will be in the in the room all all week Monday through Friday, really helping build the game plan, getting you ready, but. Right now, he doesn't have an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. Right now, at least at least on defense, you have two guys who might be able to call a game by themselves and, and kind of work on it in yep. Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo. But on offense, you don't have that. Like, Joe Judge has never called offensive plays. Matt Patricia nope. has never called offensive plays. Nope. Nick Cayley has never called offensive plays. Nope. So Belichick is going to have to babysit them while also still assisting the defense. I don't think that that's necessarily the best recipe for success, if you're no, asking it me. It's for, not the best, but it may not be the worst we've ever seen. Look at me sure, spinning it it's not. Yeah, it's not going to be Adam Gase, <laughs> but it sure as hell isn't going to be good Patriots football. I'm not sure Adam Gase wouldn't be better, but we'll move on <laughs> for now. Uh, I wanted to do uh, something in this podcast because free agency is coming. March 16th is the new league year, 4 p.m. free agency. A few days before will be that legal tampering period, so... I don't know that we'll have quite the flurry of contracts we had from the Patriots a year ago, but that's when all the action across the league will start. Um, So I wanted to do this week a little bit on offense, next week a little bit on defense, previewing some of the Patriots' own free agents, talk about maybe who should come back, what what kind of priority you would put on guys. So I'm going to – quickly I'm going to run down the free agents on offense, and then we can pull it out and kind of pick and choose guys we want to talk about. So running back Brandon Bolden. Uh, Trenton Brown, as they list him in all official league matters, your right tackle. Uh, Troy Fumagalli, the tight end. Brian Hoyer, your backup quarterback. And who knows, maybe your quarterback's coach or <laughs> I don't even know, most knowledgeable play caller, offensive mind in the room. Uh, Jacob, uh, Jacob, I just called him Jacob. Jacob. Jacob Johnson, the fullback, is a restricted free agent. Ted Karras, who filled in quite nicely at left guard and has started now for basically three straight years for the Patriots and the Dolphins on one-year deals. Jacoby Myers is a restricted free agent. Gunnar Olszewski is a restricted free agent. And old pal playmaker James White is a free agent. Um, Let's start with the restricted guys first, and then we'll get into the unrestricted. So Jacoby uh, uh, Jakob Johnson, Jacoby Myers, and Gunnar Olszewski, I think all have played contributing roles to somewhat big roles at times for this football team uh the tenders the rfa tenders 2.9 million for right of first refusal 3.9 million for a second round pick 5.5 million for a first round compensation if someone else were to sign them to offer sheets and you lose them first of all all three guys were undrafted so you if you use the right of first refusal all you have is the right of first refusal. You get no compensation because they weren't drafted. Normally, that would give you the draft pick of where the guy was selected. Um, 
so would you go what what how would you ta- cuz I would go I think I'd go second round tender on Jacoby Myers. Yep. The other two, I'll be honest with you, I'd be trying to sign a longer term deal, like a 3-year deal. Oh I yeah. Really, I don't want to pay those guys 4 well, million dollars. So- when it comes to Jakob Johnson, I, he's he seems nice. He seems great. I don't really care if he walks. He's not as good as James Devlin. I'll no, tell you that much. he damn right isn't. Uh, and so I, I think you can find a fullback. You can find a guy who. Oh, you're one of those guys. Yeah, I'm not diminish the position. Yeah, it's, sorry, I, see I how am. It is. That's exactly what I'm doing. I, I think your two running backs are good enough where you can just yeah, find a fullback to be like, hey. Run that hole, run through that gap, block that guy, just blow somebody up for me. People thought Sony Michelle was good when he ran behind uh, James Devlin, and then they realized he's not. Yeah, well, it is what it is. But anyways, I, I so I, I don't feel any sort of way on Jakob Johnson. I, if you want to pay him, sure, go for it. If you don't, well, you need whatever. him for marketing purposes. You're going to Germany next year, aren't you? Oh boy, good, 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 good job. Uh, when it's it comes to Gunnar, when it comes to Gunnar Olszewski, however. I believe there's more of a question mark there, right? Because towards the end of the season, it almost felt like there were certain situations the Patriots didn't trust him. Uh, they were trying to get Nikhil Harry involved in some of these things, like in some of these punt returns, kick returns. I don't terrible. He's stupid. I, I don't know what that was. Um, but this guy was just an All-Pro punt returner two years ago. I think you should keep him. But what the Patriots want to do with him, I'm not. I can't really tell. And then when it comes to Jacoby Myers, I think. I think you match anything up to if you're going to get a second-round pick for the guy. If somebody really wants to give you a second-round pick for Jacoby Myers, I think you take it. Like, I, so I You would re- let him walk. If I, you put a 3.9 second-round tender on him yep. and somebody signed him to the offer sheet, you would just take the second-round pick. Yep, I'd take it and be like, Jacoby, I really appreciate everything you did. I can find somebody as good as Jacoby Myers in the second round of this year's draft. Like I said earlier, receivers right now, they are just falling from the skies. I can find another wow. guy like that. So you think they're going to draft a one and a two? I, 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 they could. If I they appreciate needed to. your overconfidence, but I think it's overconfidence based on the track record. I, yeah, I, I agree that it's probably. They haven't drafted based on the one good record. receiver in ten years. You think they're going to get two this year? I agree. I just, I just think there's so many good receivers, Andy. I, I might just be uh, smitten. By you know the there were a lot of good receivers, receivers the year they drafted Nikhil Harry, too, right? Yeah, but they just... They just didn't get one. Exactly. They just drafted the wrong one. Uh, and to be fair, I don't think there were quite as many, right? Because the only person drafted ahead of Nikhil Harry, that was a receiver, was Hollywood Brown. Am I wrong? Yes, that's true. Yeah. And so, but in this year's draft, like, there's going to be, like, five receivers taken in the first round. Like, there's yes. there is a lot of great receiver talent now. I just think it's just falling from the sky. I think you can just find receivers. I think these guys are just so much better at a younger age now that there are so many more of them across the country. Like, whether it's the Pac-12 or the SEC or the ACC or even the some of the, the smaller schools, um, I, I think you're able to find good receivers uh, across the country. And so I, I just I feel... I feel better about the pool of players in the draft at receiver than that I would just take the second-round pick and help bolster your roster because you're going to need a lot of stuff for this roster to be successful this year. Plus, there is also the issue of you're sort of delaying uh, the decision. I mean, Jacoby Myers has gotten better every year. Yep, He was your leading receiver last year. Now, I think a lot of us locally have said he is what he is. He's a number and three. And I love Jacoby Myers. Me and you fought about this two years ago when I said he wasn't getting the respect he deserved. But I, I still well, think that a second-round pick— Now you're on my side of that argument because well, yeah, people but say like, he was a top-20 receiver. I still think when you get a second-round pick for this guy, you just take it. You And Belichick would probably agree in a general vacuum, you have an undrafted guy 
that wants to get paid uh, four or five million dollars, whatever, and you're going to get a second round pick to let him walk, you on take spread, that value on a spreadsheet. I agree. Yeah, in a vacuum, on a you take that value. Field, hey Mac, not only did I take away your uh, offensive coordinator and play caller. Oh, by the way, I let your top receiver walk. Yeah, too. but if you're also telling him, I let you just kick Me- him in the nuts too this offseason. Yeah, but if you're telling him, I let Jacoby Myers walk, but I brought you Jamison Williams or Chris Olave or Drake London or Traylon Burks, I think he's going to be like, you know what? I'll take that trade. Now, Bill, I want one of those guys and Myers. Well, Bill, I want to keep the guy that I know how to throw to that we have a, a rapport with and born, and I want to put a great one next to those guys, and then I think I'll be good, Bill. Yeah, Bill. Bill Bourne can slide into that Jacoby Myers role. He can take on more of a role in year two. You get a stud in the first round at receiver. I think your goal. I think. You, I that, think you're in, you're on your that, way. That was your best argument yet. Is I do think there's this not a log jam because they're not like oh my god they they're not so studs, many receivers but, yeah. But I do think if if you said if they hit the one, whoever the one is. If you hit that guy and you say Myers is now my two, maybe he works out of the slot some because he's quick and he's fast and he's, he gives you more uh, run after catch, big playability than Myers, who is what he is in that role. You can kind of sell me on moving on from Myers. I just think the the flip side is what I just said. I do think if you have a, a young Pro Bowl quarterback and you take away all his coaching and his favorite target, Feels like you're making him work harder than he should have to in his second year. Yeah, can we relax with the Pro Bowl too? By the way, like six people said no Did before he, go to the he Pro got Bowl? chosen. Oh my god, it's so dumb. Pro Bowls are go? useless. Did he go? Yeah. Okay, thank you. They're useless. Pro Bowls are useless. I agree. They mean nothing. <laughs> I believe this means the Hall of Fame slot receiver that people like to promote, Julian Edelman, has zero, and Mac Jones has one. <laughs> there you go. Okay, Mac Jones Hall of Famer, got it. For what it's all worth, and which is not much at all. Okay, so we argued about the RFA guys, interesting numbers to throw around there. Um, as we get to the unrestricted free agents, so that's Bra- uh, Bolden, Brown, Fumagalli, Hoyer, Karras, and White. Who would your top priority be? I, I, I think it has to be Trent Brown. Agree. You need a left tackle. Left tackle might be... right, though. Oh, right tackle. Regardless, you need tackles. Uh, your tackles, I, I don't. I don't trust Isaiah Wynn. Nope. And at this point, I don't know what you're going to do at tackle next year. So unless you sign Trent Brown, there. All right, you have one tackle locked up. Whether it's your right tackle, left tackle, I don't really care. Uh, I think. I think nowadays, I know you've been. Uh, I think you have been in the anti-right tackle camp. I am now into the evolving theory that both tackles matter because everybody passes a ton anyway. So both mm-hmm. tackles need to be good. Um, so if I think Trent Brown is the number one priority because then you have half your tackles locked up, you're ready to go. And, and I think that's an essential part of offense. I think right now the two most important positions on the offense outside of quarterback, of course, is receiver and it's tackle. I think I those, also, those are exactly where they reside. I also think um, league-wide there might be some um, hesitancy with Trent Brown because San Francisco didn't want to tr- pay him, so they traded him to you. Yep. The Raiders regretted paying him, so he you get him back again. He's got a little bit of the LeGarrette Blunt, like, hey, it seems to work better in New England than yes. it does anywhere else. Um, and I know at one point it was because it was Dante Scarnecchia and they had some weird stepbrother bond or whatever. However they got along, it really worked for Trent Brown. But he still had a pretty good year last year when he was on the field. The calf injury derailed half the year. I would re-sign him, assuming that it's reasonable money, decent money, shorter term. I mean, I would probably go to him now with some sort of a – how old is he? He's 28, so like a 
if I can get a three-year deal at, do I go ten million a year? You know, three, three for thirty with 30, like fifteen guaranteed. Yeah, something in that ballpark. Yep. I'm just throwing numbers. I haven't done a lot of research. No, no, no. This, I, I, I like your numbers. Those are good numbers. Um, and it also would give you a little long-term stability because you have Isaiah Wynn on his fifth-year option that I think a lot of people would like to unload if they could. I've heard, oh, just trade him to the Falcons for Calvin Ridley. And I'm like, the Falcons are in cap hell. Why would they want an overpaid bad left tackle? No like, I know they need linemen, but why, they don't want bad ones that are making too much money. Um, so, okay, the, Trent Brown, I think we agree on. I think that would be a very nice re-signing. If I were prioritizing next, I think I'd go James White. I think you we talked about everything you've taken from Mac Jones. How about we give Mac Jones James White this year and hope if he's healthy, assuming. Because I don't think it'll cost much. No one wanted him last year, and now he's coming off an injury. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel some James White hate coming. I like Old James. shaming. Jane, no, James is a really nice guy. I, I was going to say, didn't you many, talk to him all the time? Many, many times on the Dale and Keith program and on the Gresham Keith program. He was a wonderful man. He seems like the nicest Still guy. Is. He didn't die. Yep. He seems like the nicest guy. I've I've never met him in person. I've only talked to him on the phone, but he seems He's like a really great nice. guy. Super guy. So with that being said, I don't Bye-bye. really I don't really think it matters. I don't running you back. You don't think they run, missed the, a no. good pass catching back last year? No, I think Ramondre Stevenson is fine. I don't uh, I actually do too. I think Ramondre Stevenson's the future. I think he is underutilized. We talked about him yep. last year in the draft previews, and I even said to you, I go, he kind of reminds me of like Aaron Jones. Like he he has that. He's not quite as explosive. He's a little bit bigger, but he can catch the football. He runs well. He runs strong. I just, I really like Ramondre. I think that was a really good pick by Bill. And I agree with you. I think Ramondre is the future, and I think he can be multi-down usage. Like I think, I think you could see a lot of what Green Bay does right now with AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones really kind of be what the Patriots adapt with Damian Harris and. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, where Stevenson is more the Aaron Jones role and Damian Harris is more the A.J. Dillon role. I, I think that could really work very well in this offense, especially an offense that wants to you know, really establish a running game. And so in my head, I want the other offensive lineman. You said Ted Karras, correct? Yep. Yeah, yep. Get, sign me Ted Karras. That's my number two. I want Trent Brown. I want Ted Karras. Because, again, Karras was here, went to Miami for a year, and yep. then came back. He's not going to cost you a ton of money, and he is a. Uh, le- I don't know. I think he costs you. I, I mean, he's not going to cost you Shaq Mason money. No, but, no, 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 no. But he is going to be, and he's going to be a legitimate everyday starter. The guy doesn't miss games. True. He's, he, that's the whole reason Kansas City paid Joe Tooney all that money because he doesn't miss games. I can get Ted Karras for half that price, and he's not going to miss any games, and he's really good at his job. Give First me of all, Ted. You better Karras. get him for way less than half. Kansas City gave yeah, Tooney eighty million. It's an exaggeration. Jiminy Christmas. Pennies on the dollar. Um, I think he might garner some interest in the open market. It's a guy, as I said, has started three straight years, two at center, one at guard. I think that kind of versatility, you said durability, consistency. I think that put him in Cincinnati. You don't think Cincinnati would like to add a good, solid, reliable offensive lineman? Yeah, I saw actually a projection today that Ryan Jensen might be Cincinnati's big target. Yeah, it's a little higher on the uh, food chain, but no reason you can't add a couple Lineman, right? For that's sure, especially because did. Ted Karras can go from guard to center yeah. if you need him to. And I think that's another reason he fits so well here is because then if anything happens to David Andrews, you have a backup plan and just built into your offensive line. No question. I like his – now, the, okay, so along these lines, I'll bring up the question you said, Trent Brown priority. You have Isaiah win. You prioritize Ted Karras. 
What is Mike Onwenu doing for yet another year? I yeah, thought I he don't... was the greatest offensive lineman in the history of football. Well, okay, let's dial it back. I uh, never you, said your he was boys the greatest at PFF. offensive he was he was really good his rookie year. Oh my God, the best rookie ever, highest graded rookie in the blah, 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 Orlando Pace mixed with Walter. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I I think you can legitimately play him at left tackle this year. I don't. I think Isaiah Wynn stinks. I don't want. I want to move on from Isaiah Wynn. So what are we paying him ten million dollars for? I don't know. Trade him. I get. get Who's going to trade for roster. a ten million dollar bum? I don't know. Cut him then. I don't uh, want him on my roster. He stinks. Then you have to pay the money, and you don't have the player. Yeah. Well, then make him your swing tackle for the year, and you're paying way too much because you stunk wow. at drafting. Wow. It's, uh, I do that. Make him that Trent Williams motion guy to just blow yeah. people up on the end. Why not? Like I, I that idea. Yeah. Just make him the swing tackle. He'll probably I don't, break at some point, but yeah. But that goal line package, get him in there as the extra tight end. Sure. Do Pull that. Back. He's pretty athletic, short, stout, athletic. Exactly. He should have been a guard in the first place anyways. You drafted him to play tackle, and he should have been a guard. Now but, we get a $10 million backup offensive lineman fullback type. Yeah, well, that's what you get for bad drafting. Like well, Jakob can't even get a deal, and you're moving this guy to fullback at $10 million per. Yep. Damn right I am. I don't, I don't think I care for that. Uh, I did want to throw out there, so we've gone over, I mean, Brandon Bolden, bring him back, whatever. I don't, I don't really, one way yeah, or the other. I'm, I'm good Brian with Brandon Hoyer. Bolden. I believe somebody on your former show was like Brian Hoyer. Is a yeah, I believe that was one uh, Mark Davis lookalike, Andy Grush. Uh, what, 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 what do you make of that? Because I don't. I mean, I'd like to have him back because the the relationship with Mac, a sounding board, a mentor. That's fine. Whether he, whether you would call him the assistant quarterbacks coach or whether you call him the backup quarterback. Yep. I like having him in Mac's world, given that Mac doesn't have really any real offensive guys to talk to. And quite honestly, this whole. Um, Kellen Moore era, and uh, who was the other one that recently made the jump from backup quarterback to coordinator? Very Kevin quickly. O'Connell. Well, Kevin O'Connell. I mean, Byron Leftwich, but there was somebody else. Whatever that guys that are basically going from borderline backup quarterback to offensive coordinator. Josh rel- McCown was getting all those re- interviews. Oh yeah, Josh McCown was good enough to be a head coach yeah. in the eyes of the uh, Houston Texans for a couple interviews. So I-, I would like to keep Brian Hoyer around. I don't know that I I would dub him a priority i agree well because i don't think anybody else is dubbing brian hoyer a priority to <laughs> be fair he wants to live in foxborough doesn't he? exactly he, he, just, he, he wants to be here so in my head this makes the most sense to me is hoyer becomes your third string i don't really dress i'm just gonna basically get paid as a player to coach right and, and i personally would like you to get a second younger quarterback to help push mac a little bit more if 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 your plan is Mac Jones, get somebody to kind of push There's him a no little bit. If. There's no if. The plan is Mac Jones. Don't, sure. don't okay. editorialize Sorry. The here. plan The plan is Mac Jones. Get someone to kind of push him a little bit. Don't allow him to just – I want him to be as – a, as a young quarterback, you want him to be secure in that he's the starter, but you also want him to occasionally look over his shoulder and be like, okay, I need to work my ass off. You're you the ca- quarterback who starts. You're not necessarily the starting quarterback. Exactly. And so I think, and then Brian Hoyer would be the third string guy. He's not technically going to dress very often or at all, really, unless there's an injury. Uh, And he's more so there as a coach because I agree. I think he adds value, especially if you don't have an offensive coordinator this year. Brian Hoyer adds value as the guy on the bench in the middle of the game going through pictures and video of the downs and being going through it with Mac and being like, hey, you missed this read. Hey, we really did this well. And, And helping him analyze the information better. I think that's the value Brian Hoyer adds. Based on everything we heard from Mac, they got along well. He referenced him all the time. Hoy this, hoy that. Almost every interview. Yeah, Yeah. hoy this, hoy that. So 
I, I like the idea. Again, I don't know if you have to prioritize it. I don't know if anybody else would sign him. Uh, I think he'll probably be back and around in some form or fashion, even if he's not on the official depth chart or who knows. We may find out he's consulting or um, I think in some form or fashion he'll be in the mix. Okay, so we're running a little long here. I don't know if you know boss man, Ken Laird. He's wielding the power these days. He yes. wants his podcast to be full. Micromanaging minutes. Ken. Yeah, yep. Ooh, he definitely is. Um so, but before we wrap this up, I wanted to play a little uh, getting to know Shime. Oh, I love each games. and every week. Um, where I'm going to ask you a few questions just so the listeners can can start to get to know Chris Shime as Ooh, we love spend that. each and every week, forty minutes or an hour together, maybe more as we move forward. Uh, so, Chris Shime, favorite food? Oh man, ah, uh, I love it. I love so many <laughs> foods, Andy. Uh, I'm actually going to go. I'm going to go sushi. I love. Really? Love sushi. I could eat just trays. If you took me to an all-you-can-eat sushi bar, man, they're going out of business. I so legit love sushi? sushi or yeah, like, like legit sushi. Like octopus with like the, the little suction cups still looking up at you? While Give me you all of it, Daddy. I want wow. your volcano rolls. I want your... Wow. Your uh, secret to success. I want your volcano maki. I want your what the hell secret to success. It's a uh, it, it, this my favorite sushi place, uh, Fujian Walk. It's this awesome roll. I'm it, I can't I don't I can't even explain it to you, but it's just tremendous. I could eat all any kind of sushi you want to put on a plate for me. I I will eat it. Wow. Yep. What's your favorite food to cook? I know you've been dabbling in the baking and the cooking and all that. What's your What's become your favorite food to cook? My favorite dish to cook is probably shrimp fra diavolo. Mm. Big, big pasta guy. I love making, we make homemade pasta. I make homemade fra diavolo sauce. Get some seafood in there, and boy, oh boy, does that taste good. Uh, tails on? Oh, no, I, I remove them prior to cooking. Okay, because a lot of places, you, like you order shrimp dishes, pasta dishes, and, and it yep. always annoys me when the tail is on. Yeah, I like What's to. What's the deal with that? I, I think because a lot of times it, it kind of holds a lot of the flavor. Um, but what you can do is if you just remove them ahead of time, you can use them to make a broth or whatever you want to do with the shrimp shells. Um, so I like to peel and devein my shrimp myself and I do it prior to the cooking process. Good. Because when I'm eating, I don't like to have to work. I don't like to have to do anything before I put the food in my mouth. I like to just jab it with a fork or whatever. Shove it in there. Shovel it in as fast as possible. Oh yeah. Tails and shells and things of that. One last question. Uh, married, single, uh, divorced. What, What do we got? Uh, currently uh, in a relationship with my wonderful girlfriend. Uh, we have a, a house and a dog, and it's great. Oh, so you're borderline married. Yeah. I mean, you're essentially close. married without the legal binding ring and document. Exactly. Yep. You live the married life. Yes, okay, I do. Good for you. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up another off-day podcast. He is Chris Scheim. I'm Andy Hart. We are well into the Patriots off-season. J.C. Jackson, will he stay or will he go? He'll be rich either way. The coaching staff, I'm sure we'll be talking about the coaching staff again next week when we get together, and we'll look at the defensive free agents beyond J.C. Jackson that the Patriots have heading towards March 16th. This has been another off-day podcast. If you like it, leave a review, tell a friend. You can get this podcast anywhere podcasts are found, but most easily on the Odyssey app. See ya. See ya. You've been listening to the Off-Day Podcast with Andy Hart and Chris Shine on WEEI.com and the Odyssey app.